Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have our special guest here today, Robert August. Sir Robert August, thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure. I'm really thrilled to be participating with you, and your show is absolutely fantastic, and it's an absolute thrill for me to be here. Well, you are a legend of amongst legends, and um, just to have you come and kind of share some about yourself and, and where you came from and kind of your journey, and then also just to give us some insight and some tips into how you see relationships really being influential in the life that you've lived and the success that you've achieved on the different levels that you have. So Robert, if you don't mind, would you mind just giving us a little bit of background about where you came from, where you started? I started in a suburb of New York called Philadelphia. And in the process, uh, grew up in a, uh, a series of family businesses uh, and had the opportunity to learn from uh, folks uh, who had established uh, long-standing corporations. My great-grandfather uh, came to the country in uh, 1886, and by 1891, he had his own store. And from there, he, he um, uh, bought the store, then he leased warehouses, then he bought the warehouses, then he built a manufacturing plant, and it, then he built another one on the West Coast. So wow. I learned a lot. And uh, my mother's family also had a, a background. In fact, they were in the building business and uh, finished uh, interiors of commercial buildings, uh, homes, uh, predominantly large commercial buildings in the Philadelphia area. Wow. Yeah, you, so you have quite the history of, of business in your blood, many generations. When I was six years old, I, uh, we had a neighbor who um, was a, a manufacturer rep for one of the larger candy companies. And at six, uh, I, I would get up and go out early in the morning. And I can remember seeing these cases of goods, uh, evidently waiting for the trash men to come and pick up uh, these cases that looked like they were perfect. And I opened one and they were boxes of candy that were completely sealed. And so I, I didn't have a, a wagon at the time. And I went and I got a wagon from my friend. He said, well, I want to come with you. I said, okay. <laughs> he brought the wagon. We then loaded his wagon up with all this candy. And then uh, when uh, it was appropriate, then later in the day, when everybody was up, I went door to door selling the candy. <laughs> and uh, I, I, Mr. Ford was the candy representative. And I can remember uh, later in the day uh, when we were getting ready for dinner, Mr. Ford came to the, the home and he knocked on the door and he and my father uh, were talking, had a great laugh. And then my father came in uh, with Mr. Ford and they were both very stern. And they, they said to me, well, what did you do? And I said, well, 
Mr. Ford left all this great candy, you know, <laughs> waiting to be picked up. I thought, well, I'll take it and I'll sell it. <laughs> uh, they said, well, what did you sell it for? And I said, well, I sold each box for 50 cents. And Mr. Ford said, well, you know, that that was normally $2.50. I said, I know, but I thought I'd give everybody a break. <laughs> <laughs> and now here I am at six years old. So they told me that the candy was stale. And that my father said that uh, I would have to replace all the boxes of candy and go back and exchange the bad for the good. So, <laughs> so I, went, I went upstairs, I got my piggy bank, and that was my first, my first major sale. That I, so I learned not to sell bad product, only to sell excellent product, only to do everything that's right all the time. And Mr. Ford and my dad were my heroes as a little kid growing up. You do something right, good things will happen. Oh my gosh, that's an awesome story. And not only did you get the sales piece, but the customer service piece too, because you had to go back and make it all right. And, and that's how we learn maintaining customers for life. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that story, Robert. And um, could you take us a little further in your journey, past six, to closer to where um, you kind of got into business yourself, maybe? Oh, that was when I was seven. Oh, but, yes. That's what we're talking about. Seriously. Uh, I had the good fortune. Uh, uh, at the time, when I went to undergraduate school, I was the only one of my generation that I ever knew that, made, that took the same major started and went through uh, the curriculum with one major. Most right. people, you know, skip and one day they're going to be a, a psychologist and the next day they're going to be a business major. Well, I stayed in one major and my major was labor management relations. And at the time, there were only two universities in the country that offered the program. And so I matriculated to Penn State and was graduated with a degree uh, with labor management relations as my major. And uh, I used that because our family business was getting ready to be organized with union labor. And my dad wanted me to have a little bit more knowledge about collective bargaining and economics and all the things that go along with it, industrial sociology, industrial psychology. And he said, no matter what you do, whether you work with us or you work somewhere else, this material is going to help you with your overall background. And my dad uh, was, was graduated from uh, the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, uh, one of the premier business schools in the country. Uh, so going forward, um, I also uh, was very fortunate to, to uh, uh, meet my, my best friend who became my wife, Penny. And 47 years later, we're still enjoying uh, matrimony. And Congratulations. Thank you. And Penny's dad uh, was chairman of the board of another family business. Uh, he too was graduated from Wharton and they were in the glass uh, fabrication business. And they had 16 plants throughout the United States. So whenever I, as a, as a young man, you never think your father's right. You always wanna ask somebody else. So I would often ask them the same question and phenomenally get the same answer. So I figured, you know, that this is great. You know, I've got <laughs> two mentors. And even when they both passed, uh, I always can go back and say, what would my dad do? What would uh, Penny's dad do? And as a result, I have two coaches, life coaches, that are helping me every day. 
just yeah. to do the right thing and help other people be the best that they possibly can be. And I've, I've also learned that there's no uh, one situation that is ever going to make you or break you in business other than death. Now that we can't control, but everything else, if we just take our time and, and uh, work through each situation, we can come up with a plethora of solutions that are good for everybody. And it's, it's using that, that academic education with the pragmatic side where we're blending uh, in order to create the world of compromise and that everyone leaves a transaction in a win-win position. Absolutely, Robert. You just shared so much with us right there. Um, you know, the win-win, the mutually beneficial relationships and the opportunity to do what's right in order to find um, those sort of win-win. And maybe everything's not always perfect, right? But the idea that we um, can take our time and that nothing is outable, if that's even a word. Well, as you and I have grown up together, uh, and I'm still learning every day is a new learning experience for all of us. Uh, we've been through situations where um, people don't see everything the way we would always like them to visualize. We right. learn that they are not always on the same playing field with we are. So we have to understand everybody and we have to take the time uh, to learn about the people that we're working with. Some of them are going to be absolutely fantastic experiences, and most of them will. But every once in a while, you, you and I will come across a, uh, an individual who may not be as warm, friendly, nice, kind, considerate. And as a result, what I've learned to do is try to understand what makes those people tick and work through the negativity into a positive solution. And uh, we both experienced uh, the same type of demeanor, and resolution, positive resolution, by learning how to work in, in tandem in order to collaborate with a solution that's going to be beneficial to us without the other party that was relatively negative realizing that he wasn't in the win-win situation, but rather at the end of the day, both you and I walked away as winners. True Absolutely. Win Absolutely. And it is, you're so right when you have that opportunity. And, and you said, you know, you try to look at the person and understand. And more often than not, at least in my experience, it's usually not personal. And it often has to do with the other person and just sort of the perspective or the filter that they see life through. And so sometimes I find that if I can make my goal to be understanding of who they are and where they're seeing things from, I often can find a place of compassion or empathy or whatever it is that can bring us to even a more human level. And then we can start from there, even in coming up with a resolution. And so it's interesting that you, you say that because yeah, we, we had to sort of find compassion almost in the situation uh, because there was, there can be un, a lack of understanding or miscommunication. Um, but if you are willing to do that, it's amazing to me how we um, can rise above and find such favor in the end. I think that, you know, and when you've asked me about my background, uh, one of the, the first jobs uh, that I had after our family business uh, was working with the largest home builder 
in the United States. And the company was a, a franchisor to builders. And we had over 200 builders uh, in the, the uh, program. And it was a company, we would sell building parts for the exterior and interior. We would typically ship two different major um, uh, large trucks uh, filled with building materials. The builders would receive them, uh, acknowledge of the receipt, and then would build the exterior and also do the framing for the interior and uh, put in the mechanicals and then we would deliver the interior. Well, I was in the customer service department and for two years, uh, all I did was learn how to sell negativity and how to create the spin factor and where somebody was living in an apartment, needed to get out of the apartment, their home wasn't quite finished yet, they needed certain parts in order to do that. Uh, and also working with the builders in tandem, uh, I learned how to solve the builder and the uh, the, the uh, consumer situation. I, I, I know you're looking for uh, human interest with this, and I will uh, hopefully make your, your beautiful face continue to shine. Uh, I had one customer who was in Baltimore, and they were working with a very nefarious builder. Uh, we only had one or two that were, were not on the up and up. And this, this one person would promise over and over, we're going to get it done. We're going to get this home finished. And they were so slow and they didn't. And uh, then I had the customer who called the corporation to get satisfaction, the master corporation. And there I was on the phone. And this guy, he calls and he's screaming and shouting. And I, it's after hours. I'm working overtime to try to help him along with other folks. And I'll never forget you know, all of a sudden the, the other phone rings, nobody's there in this department of 23 people. I'm the only one. And I figured, you know, somebody's calling, there must be an issue. Well, I, I pushed the hold button and who's on the other line, but Mrs. Buyer. And I said, Mrs. Buyer, you're never going to believe that Mr. Buyer's on the phone. And she said, yeah. And I said, and, she, and I caught her off guard because she had started to scream. And I said, oh, uh, your husband, I believe is still at work. And would you like him to bring at home any eggs or milk, butter, uh, some cookies for the kids? She said, oh, you know, I do need a gallon of milk. I need a dozen eggs and a loaf of bread. And she started giving me a list. And I took the list and then I put her on hold. Then I went back to the husband and he was fuming. And I said, you're never going to guess who's on the other line. And he, and he said, no, who? And I said, well, it's Mrs. Byer. So, and I said, and by the way, before you come home, she'd like, and I, she'd like this list, and I gave it to him. And he said, you know, I wanted to call and scream at you for the next half an hour. He said, you're so compassionate. You're helping me, you know, help, help my wife and, and help us through this situation. I'm going to ease off on you. And then by the time we were finished, he said, I'm sending a letter to the chairman of the board and telling him never to fire you. We need to have more people like you around. But at the end of the day, they both got satisfied. We took a negative situation and followed through all the way to make sure that he got all the materials so that the builder could finish the home. But it's, it's, it's again, it's paying attention. And it's, it, some people might say it's going above and beyond. It's not. Because every time we meet one person, that one person can open up two or three or four more opportunities for us to uh, engage, do more business, satisfy more people, and make more people happy, which can ultimately grow the business. And you, as a rainmaker uh, for Ferguson over the years, have done an absolute marvelous job 
of making people happy, fulfilling their needs in the sales process, and at the same time, helping them achieve outstanding product, outstanding service, outstanding installation, outstanding customer service uh, with, with very affordable and fair pricing. So I, I say to you, you're accomplishing the same goals over and over for all of us, and thank you. Well, thank you, Robert, and I really appreciate that uh, is a compliment coming from you for sure. Um, you know, but at, at, to, to speak to kind of what you said about just the experience that, you know, the opportunity to provide a positive encounter, that's like, that is my like whole initiative, like the things I stay focused on is how do I provide an opportunity or an experience or an encounter that leaves that person feeling better, whatever that looks like, right? And that they had some sort of enjoyable moment in that experience. And so it's, sometimes it's adding value directly that they need and just bringing something that is exactly specific and relevant to the need that they have in the moment. And sometimes it's literally just taking a moment to understand where they're coming from and how they're feeling or what they're excited about or what they're stressed about and just giving them that, that moment can sometimes create a bond in the beginning of a trust um, a mutually kind of trusting relationship that does more than any kind of sales tactic can really do. Well, it, it, it is sales. And what it comes down to are taking uh, Rudyard Kipling's favorite friends and, and integrating them from his background as a journalist and an author and putting them into a business perspective and embodying the words of who? what, where, why, when, and how. Interrogative questions that can be answered not with a yes or no, but with an open statement in order to get more fact, more truth, more opinion from someone in order to have them express themselves, especially uh, when you're in a situation that could be confrontational or you're in an introductory moment and it gives you the opportunity to let these folks express themselves. The result Sarah, the result is you're winning them over because you're paying attention to them. And the other ingredient with this is that the more they speak, the more they hear their voice. Their voice is the most important voice to them. It's the most soothing voice that they can hear. So the more that you're engaging with them, they're saying to themselves, this person really cares about me. Then the other thing that's also important, when you ask a question, pay attention to the party, who is providing you with the answer and take notes. Write down everything that's going on within the conversation. The, the customer, if you will, the individual, the friend, the associate, they'll feel so excited that you're paying more attention to them. And as a result, you're, you're winning them over and engaging them so that you can accomplish the task that you want through your series of questions in order to give them the appropriate solution, and, and the, the appropriate answers uh, to helping them derive the best solution that they can come up with for, for each of the parties. Absolutely, Robert. And you're just sharing uh, wisdom. I, I joke that it's like you drop wisdom like it's change. Uh, and these are many of the things that I, I would have asked you, or what do you believe are these key ingredients to developing these relationships that not only drive revenue, they do, but they drive revenue because they are true, genuine relationships with trust. So I grew up in the family business. Uh, as a kid, I always wanted to go shadow my dad 
whether he was at the plant or I was working with my grandmother who handled the retail side. We had a retail store that was almost like a beta test. Uh, and in the state of Pennsylvania, we predominantly had state stores unless you had a sacramental wine and spirit store. And we, I learned that and I learned from my father, the wholesale and the manufacturing side. Uh, then um, as time was passing, uh, recognizing that the business was not going to uh, move into my direction, that there were other family members that wanted to do other things with the business, I was able to go into uh, the real estate industry again and participate with a company called Ridge Homes, where I had a customer service job that I spoke about. And then from there, uh, I went back to graduate school because I saw people passing me by. And when I went to the uh, HR department, they told me, oh, well, these people all have graduate degrees and you don't. And I said, so you're going to promote them because they have a graduate degree and I don't. And they said, yes. So I said, well, I'm going to go uh, get, get some education here. And then I, I decided after taking a course, uh, another course in advanced psychology, that I wanted to go back to graduate school. So meanwhile, Penny uh, was becoming uh, one of the first psychiatric art therapists in the United wow. States uh, through Hahnemann Medical College and school. And um, she finished her year, uh, her, her master's, and then uh, I, I was accepted to, an to a school called the American Graduate School of International Management, known as Thunderbird, that was recently acquired by the Arizona State University. And I spent a year learning about international management directly from an academic standpoint, but all of my professors were former business people. The gentleman who taught me advertising created the, Pil the, uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, Another gentleman wow. uh, who taught me about marketing uh, had handled the Seagram's account, one of our family competitors' account, for 25 years in New York City, if you can imagine. And these folks had retired and were teaching me, you know, how to be a better business person. And we had a gentleman who taught us uh, about business development internationally as well, who uh, opened up Polaroid, uh, land, from land Polaroid, opened up every continent uh, that was feasible other than the Arctic and Antarctic. Then I had another professor uh, who was white with uh, white trucking. He had worked in 105 countries. And so all of a sudden, in, in my background, uh, labor management relations, I had the top uh, senior officer of the labor department at Exxon teaching me wow. more about management. So all of these folks combined, plus the fact that the school, uh, we had over 50 countries represented from students from all over the world. And a lot of them were people who were in their 30s and 40s who had finished a stint with uh, an armed forces. <laughs> started uh, working for a company and decided they wanted a, a much more global understanding of the universe and, and retreated into the university. And I would work with all these people in, in class and, and get to know them. So from there, I went on to uh, become the North American sales manager for a French conglomerate breaking into the United States, uh, along with Canada and Mexico. And uh, I was traveling all over the United States and uh, literally traveling one way to work three hours and 15 minutes from Philadelphia to New York uh, while Penny was uh, giving birth to Jason and starting to uh, grow her family. And I said, this is, this is crazy. Then I got a call from a, 
from, of all things, a, a former camper. Uh, I, was a, I went to an overnight camp as a kid for 14 summers. And one of the, the, the campers that I, that I uh, enjoyed, uh, his father was really nice and we got along really well. And I went to work for him for about three years. And I launched a master plan community uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania for him. And the day that we opened, Sarah, Bethlehem Steel laid off 25,000 people. Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton uh, are comparable to uh, being like um, Littleton, Wheat Ridge, and um, Westminster all lined up together. Wheat Ridge, uh, Arvada, Westminster, all in one uh, large yeah. market. And the impact was not 25,000. The impact was more like 75,000 people uh, because the, it was one of the largest steel companies in the, in the world and with their major headquarters there. And we opened up our, our community that first day that they laid off all these people. Oh. Within a year, within one year, we were the number one builder in the marketplace because cool. I learned, again, the spin factor. All the people came in, they, didn't, they, they all wanted a custom home. We were not about to make changes, but we realized the only way that we could uh, stay in business effectively would be to make customer order changes. And I perfected the art of uh, taking care of the customer. Uh, and uh, we had a, a beautiful custom neighborhood across the street, and yet we outperformed them and every other builder and developer in the marketplace because we were able to make change. I also learned about more about economic development and would go to corporations like Ferguson and manufacturers uh, like Schaefer Brewing and, and um, uh, Mack Truck and Alpo Dog Food that were in the area. And I would go to all these manufacturers and let them know that I, I had wonderful housing product for their employees. Uh, and as a result, we, we built up a tremendous amount of business, uh, and we always had 60 to 70 homes in front of us uh, that were waiting to be built. Wow. And this was during a recession in the mid-70s. So in essence, I worked there, then I, uh, I was recruited to come to uh, Colorado and to, do, to create a marketing and sales program for a community called The Ranch at 120th and Pecos. And there was virtually not that much going on between downtown Denver and Boulder. And um, I found out six months after I had gotten to the community that the reason I was chosen for the job is that 60 other people had been interviewed uh, from Denver who said, there's no way you can create an upscale neighborhood. I came out and uh, went through a series of interviews, uh, earned the job, came out, and uh, in three years and eight months, I beat the, in, the um, pro forma by well over 400% with interest wow. rates, with mortgage interest rates rising at, to 16% and 21% for construction loan. So people would, would want to figure out what I did to create this magic. And these were not uh, starter homes, by the way. These were semi-custom and custom homes. Wow. And uh, if you can imagine uh, in a market in three years and eight months selling over 300 homes, uh, it was a tremendous feat but it was collaborative. I had a great staff uh, that I was able to uh, manage from a sales perspective, uh, received a national award uh, from the National Association of Home Builders as the uh, youngest, well, not because I, I was just happened to be the youngest, but the youngest uh, person ever received the award. 
uh, as uh, the marketing and, and sales person of the year. Awesome. And uh, while I was doing that, I also created a formula uh, that's been mimicked and copied. Uh, we built our strategy uh, in addition to doing the traditional advertising and PR uh, and promotions, which we were able to excel at, we also got involved with chambers of commerce, economic development councils, boards of realtors, and the Home Builders Association, and became active in all of those. And we were able to springboard business into the community as a result of the relationships. At my peak, I had 32 builders that I was managing. Uh, building homes and some commercial buildings. And uh, we also, uh, I, I, before I left uh, to take on another opportunity in Colorado Springs, I was named, uh, there, there was a day that was named after me by the Adams <laughs> County Commissioners, not because my name is August, but it, was, it happened to be June 24th. And they recognized me for, uh, for being the most influential person in economic development uh, within the Adams County for a number of years. And uh, it was a way of saying thank you and good luck and hopefully we work together in the future. I spent, oh my gosh. spent a short time in, uh, in Colorado Springs. I did the first uh, residential for sale neighborhood at the Broadmoor. And, wow. and it's launched into a major residential environment. Uh, we were able to uh, work on a series of new communities. And then when I had, uh, received that special award uh, for that, for everything I was doing that year and, uh, and forward, I uh, decided it was time to open up my own companies. And so I initially began with a consulting practice, uh, handling marketing, sales, and management uh, with my background. And then it, spring, uh, it, it sprung into a real estate corporation. And my partner and I, uh, I had the, the, one of the greatest partners you could ever have, Don Myers, uh, was my partner in our real estate company, and Don uh, lived in the Boulder. Lived in Boulder. Our real estate corporation was in the Boulder market, and we worked together. And in 23 years, Sarah, we never had an argument. Wow. We never had an argument. Uh, we would work through. We would start out. What do we need to accomplish today? At the end of the day, what do we need to accomplish? And uh, just respected each other. And I couldn't ask for a better partner in business. Um, and through that time, we would work out all of the negativity because we were, it, you may not know this statistic, but uh, over the years, Don and I represented over 500 builders in the communities that we listed and sold, over wow. 500 uh, in the front range and in the mountains of Colorado. And in the process, we learned how to uh, deliver uh, the best product. And I can tell you at point value, we beat every other competitor in any trading area that we had because we hired and trained the best salespeople. And some of those people today are running corporations, running sales divisions here in Denver, but all over the United States. So it, it, that part of the business is very rewarding because we were able to help people realize their potential. The same way you are like a true fine wine. You keep getting better and better with age and with performance. And it was just great to see, uh, to plant the seeds and see the, the seeds grow into uh, little plants and then into bigger plants or like trees growing all the way uh, to be sequoia trees. I mean, it's, it's just been a, an amazing run. And uh, so um, 
for 37 years, I've practiced real estate. I've practiced the art of uh, not only working with uh, builders and developers, but also manufacturers. Some of our key accounts uh, have been large manufacturers like Pella and Whirlpool. Uh, we also, uh, that most people don't know, uh, as a result of our consulting practice, uh, we were able to beta test a number of different things. And we've always been on the cutting edge uh, of real estate. We were the first major uh, corporation to introduce energy saving tactics for builders. Uh, I was asked by the Department of Energy of the United States of America. I conducted the first scattered parade of homes in the, in the United States here in Denver. And if you can imagine, in just two weeks, I had over 125,000 people that came wow. out to, to look at 10 homes in different price points. I created the Parade of Homes for the Metropolitan uh, Home Builders Association, the HBA Metropolitan Denver. Uh, the Leprino family uh, had asked that I, I come in, put together a program, and uh, we were in a downturn in, in 86. And uh, they had had a, a moratorium, a gas moratorium, out at the estates mm -hmm. at 6th Avenue West. And I figured out how to create a parade of homes for them, put it together in four and a half months, and we, had a, we established the parade of homes for Metropolitan Denver. Uh, in addition, we continued to do uh, not only energy, water savings, universal design, uh, always on the cutting edge of design trends, uh, also integrating into all of the homes that we work with, uh, smart homes, smart technology. And uh, three and a half years ago, uh, well, actually 25 years ago, I learned about building homes smartly with health and wellness. We had a buyer that walked in, beautiful woman, uh, looked about 67 years old, and she told us that she was 37, couldn't believe it. She had what was known as chronic fatigue house syndrome, where she had lived excuse me, in a beautiful home. Uh, if you can imagine for, uh, for a number of years, at that point, uh, it was about nine years, and she was allergic to her home. And she had seen 23 different doctors uh, in Denver and around the country. And what they told her was that she needed to move out of her home and get a new home built with uh, materials that did not off gas and did not have toxins. And the salespeople were a little bit, um, uh, they didn't know how to handle the situation. They called me right away, came over, sat down, and this was at the Preserve at Greenwood Village. Sat down, understood what the, the party was going through, uh, brought in a building scientist for our next meeting, and we built the, the first uh, non-toxic chemical-free home. Uh, and then we had a series of other customers. We created other opportunities. Uh, three and a half years ago at the National Association of Home Builders Springboard meeting, I uh, saw a friend, Jillian Pritchard Cook. And Jillian was an outstanding international designer and I was an, an interior designer. And I was like, you're in the meeting with manufacturers. Gee, you know, what's, what's going on? She said, well, I'm getting ready to launch a company. And we talked after the meeting and she launched a corporation called Wellness Within Your Walls. And who was there to help her launch the company? We were. And we've become a major consultant to the corporation. Uh, Jillian uh, is now, uh, her educational protocols and programs are now being taught in Portugal, France, wow. the United wow. Kingdom, Scotland, Ireland, United States, Australia, and it goes on and on and on. And so we believe that blending manufacturing, 
uh, vendors, education, the, the ability to integrate the best in water filtration, the best in, in indoor living, 90% uh, of our time is spent indoors. So we're always at the cutting edge. Uh, and I've been able to, uh, I've been thrilled to have both of my sons work with me uh, in our business. Uh, they all have, the, they both have their own businesses and they sort of tell their father what to do and how to do it and make it better. And uh, Jason found, helped found Build-A-Bear Workshop. That's amazing. Retail stores worldwide. Uh, and uh, Jason was the third employee hired in charge of all the marketing and IT. And uh, consults with the company. And I'm just, so, and he's got the real estate background. And Alan uh, is extremely creative and helps us with our, our brand performance. Uh, Jason, of course, has a company, Gourmet Real Estate. Alan's company is Brandlander, and he helps corporations uh, brand their companies uh, with naming uh, opportunities as well as their product lines. And so, in essence, uh, it's great to have uh, be able to work with uh, both of my sons uh, and also grow, continue to grow in the in the business. And without it all, it be it would be nothing without Penny's support and inspiration. Yeah, Penny, if you know anything about Penny, she's kind of the glue that holds it all together, if you ask me. we lo I love Penny. She's fabulous. Um, you know, Robert, thank you so much for sharing all of that, and there's so much in that. You know, I'm curious, you talk about, like, the twist factor. Can you give us a little more detail as to, so that, you know, my goal as people listen to this show, really, is that they find things that they can take today, even, and begin to utilize and begin to to be more aware of to create results in their own life that help them build more strategic relationships. So the twist factor sounds like something that very possibly we could all use if we became more aware and more had more understanding as to how how to do that. Well, I I think that uh, in in listening to your customers, which is always difficult for me because I have so much to say that uh, I have to. Uh, pause, excuse me, and take uh, take the time to really invest uh, in each person as if they're a new chapter in a book and take the time to understand what the needs are. What are we trying to uh, fulfill through our relationship with them? What value and benefit can we bring to them based on what they're looking for from us? And it, again, it comes back when you talk about a twist or a spin factor into helping everybody feel comfortable with working. One of the things that, that's been fascinating for me, uh, here in Colorado, uh, I have a customer uh, that I've had since I came here who was a partner uh, with uh, the company that hired me. And for 41 years now, uh, we may not work all the time, but we've had this phenomenal working relationship. With a number of other companies, uh, we had, uh, we've had 10, 11, 15 year runs uh, working with one corporation. And it's because we don't assume anything. We take every day as a new day. Every relationship that we make is a new relationship. And how can we grow that relationship into such a positive way that we you know, are, are helping people understand how to accomplish their goals faster, with more cash flow, with more profit, and helping to, uh, at the same time, manage their employee base in such a way that they can raise their employees to a higher level of expectation and enjoy uh, the profits they're, that they're able to earn. 
So I don't know if I'm totally answering the question, but everyone is a new opportunity. Every company is a new opportunity. And we cherish uh, the ability to uh, literally uh, understand each company. And, it, and sometimes it can take three or four months uh, for the magic to occur. But once we get everybody on track, there's no stopping us. I mean, it's, it's a question of learning how to, how to understand what their needs are, how to fulfill them, and how to keep them on track. And in most instances, Sarah, we work ourselves out of business rather than working ourselves into business. <laughs> well, that's probably because you're really good at what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, in that twist factor idea, I, I feel like there's elements of it that I see where, and maybe this is different, but but almost in situations where you're twisting it from the perspective that it seems like you can't find a resolution or like you're on opposite sides of the of the situation. But the twist piece sort of happens as you find that place of understanding one another and understanding the needs and how this relationship or this situation can become mutually mutually beneficial or or work for both sides. And then sometimes it's sort of interesting to me where I find that if I'm willing to do that piece, the twist part comes because they actually say yes to something that they thought they weren't going to say yes to or vice versa. I say yes to something that, or we say yes to something that maybe we didn't initially think we were. Um, and we feel good about it. Right. And so it's kind of like this way of coming to an understanding that you actually leave um, feeling good about the fact that you just said yes to something that you initially maybe didn't intend to say yes to. Um, it's kind of an interesting, I just find that the more I'm willing to listen uh, to people and the more I'm willing to communicate my own and be more aware of my own um, perspective in it, the more twist you see in the, in the ability to find a resolution. Yeah, I think that uh, to sum up what you've just said is that what we try to do uh, is after we've analyzed the situation, uh, provide the party that we're working with and or for four different solutions at minimum and explain why each one can work, yet at the same time, what is the best for you? How do you see taking this course of action and putting it into play? Uh, and I think that, you know, that, you know, of all of those things, whether you're dealing with a consumer one-on-one, -on -one, uh, whether it's buying a home or it could be buying a series of products at a store, you know, how do you treat those people and help them uh, enjoy the buying experience or enjoy uh, the learning experience so that they're excited about growing with you and learning more with you as you're learning from them and how to, to equate the experiences that you've had into building blocks of success for them. Absolutely. And you know, Robert, you've had a long and successful career. And I just am curious if there's anything that you would, you know, if someone's listening who's either, you know, just starting their career or even maybe, you know, coming through it and right in the mix of it all, but something that you would give as advice either to your younger self or maybe to someone who's kind of still in the, the throes of their journey. There's a number of things. Uh, I would encourage everyone uh, to take it to take the, their health seriously, regardless of what their age is. Uh, you and I had a discussion yesterday. You were out exercising uh, this morning. You were walking your outstanding dogs and and uh, enjoying Mother Nature. I think that you know the key that I've learned is creating balance. And I'm not perfect. I keep learning to learn. But 
I think that the key is to learn how to uh, eat correctly, sleep correctly. I think it's important to meditate uh, throughout the day, uh, and maybe it's once a day for 20 minutes. But it's it, the essence is uh, you don't have to try to put everything into one day. Try to balance yourself. Try to prioritize and to work through everything. When you feel that you're developing uh, stress, uh, there are a number of uh, breathing exercises that I've learned over the years. And so I try to calm down. I think the exercise that I undertake is, is very valuable. Uh, it's helped me dramatically to uh, eliminate stress. Uh, to be frank with you, in all the years that I've been here uh, in Colorado, I don't think I've had 20, disagree 20 arguments. Uh, and, and I think that the key is maintaining the balance uh, and, and patience and understanding. I, I sometimes act too quickly. Uh, I would share with everybody, listen before I react. Uh, one of my biggest weaknesses is that sometimes I've got four or five ideas that I want to share right away, and I won't let someone finish because I, I've got to get these ideas out. Well, it's important to listen. It's important to take notes. And it's important to then respond accordingly. Uh, and I think that uh, you can be of a much greater value. On a personal note, I also think it's important to read. And I don't care whether it's uh, Archie meets Veronica for a picnic lunch, you know, on the plat, you know, or it's, uh, you know, uh, as in a comic book or, or one of the reading about Superman or, or just reading your favorite novels, uh, reading maybe a, a book about the Rainmaker. Uh, by, by uh, I think it's Jeffrey Fox, and, and getting to know all these things. The more that you read, the more you can articulate. The more you can articulate verbally, the more you'll be able to articulate in written format. And I think it's important to, uh, to, to do that. I think it's important that the same way that I prepared for our presentation today, it's all the preparation that I did. It's, it's what I'm doing now is spontaneous. And I think that you have to learn how to pause and be patient. The biggest thing, the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways is love humanity. At the end of the day, you and I are both love brokers. Somebody asks you, well, I, I know that I'm a salesman. Yes, we consult in, in our, our background. I mean, the, the work that we have accomplished, Sarah, is well over $30 billion worth of product. And uh, as a result of what we're doing uh, today, it's really no difference whether you're doing it in Denver, Colorado, uh, or Sydney, Australia. And uh, tomorrow when I'm on a conference call with one of our customers from Australia, you know, it's the same type of business platform. It's the same type of tenants that we've been following through. So be honest. Uh, let, let us be love brokers. Let us be trust brokers. Let us be integrity brokers. Let us be motivational brokers. Let us be inspirational brokers. That's, you know, and, and above all of that, the most important is be respect brokers. And so those are some key points uh, that have made a huge difference. And believe me, I continue to learn to learn every day. That's awesome, Robert. And thank you for sharing that because that, there's a lot in what you just shared uh, that we can really take and start to apply. Um, you know, I, I'm also curious as you have come this journey and You've, you're, you know, you have a number of um, accolades and, and rewards and successes under your belt. But as you look to where you are today and what the future holds, what do you have going on? Today, uh, we're, we're very fortunate. 
uh, we're working with uh, a new company from Italy wanting to break into the United States as a home builder. Uh, we're working, uh, we had a series of conference calls this morning uh, from another company uh, headquartered in Pennsylvania uh, with a manufacturing facility in, in uh, Mexico. Uh, they want to uh, do more work in the United States, and they also want, want to open up a building division in the United States. Uh, we're cool. helping the Australian company uh, is one of the largest home building companies in Australia and New Zealand, and they're breaking into the United States, and we're opening up new territory for them as we speak. And my next call uh, will be uh, with one of our builder uh, associates, uh, Alliance Partners in New York, uh, that we'll be working with. Uh, one, and we work with uh, manufacturers, as I've shared, uh, vending vendors. Uh, we work with uh, mortgage corporations and banks, uh, real estate companies, and give them the edge that we've learned over the years and, and how to sell more product. And so we're, we're working with a gamut. Uh, and as I shared with you, the wellness within your walls opens up major doors of activity. Uh, but one of my favorite programs that we're working on right now uh, is a, a centralized event. And uh, it's similar to what we created years ago with the uh, Parade of Homes for the Home Builders Association. This one is not in concert with the, the HPA. It's a developer who's been in this market building uh, for well over 30 years. And uh, we have the first farm to table neighborhood, the first farm wow. to neighborhood uh, in the state of Colorado. And uh, it's an upscale neighborhood where Parker meets Franktown called Box Hill. And I've been assembling all the ingredients to put together a major promotion. And when the CDC uh, gives us notice that uh, we're getting closer and closer to eliminating COVID-19, uh, we're going to have a, a formal showcase uh, with a lot of product from Ferguson integrated into the homes. Uh, as we have four major builders, who are four uh, custom builders who are going to deliver state-of-the-art housing uh, from which people can come and steal a few bright ideas, which is another reward because if they can come into these homes and learn about health and wellness and learn uh, about smart technology and learn about restoring and maintaining energy and water, uh, we've accomplished our goals for them to go home. And even if they make small improvements, that will be the major success of the program. And uh, that one, uh, we also are working with Secor Cares, which we solicited. And Secor Cares is a nonprofit in Arapahoe, Douglas, and Elbert County. And they help folks in poverty. They help them restore their dignity. They have a wonderful food bank. Uh, 23 elementary schools have children going home every Friday with bags of, of uh, food for the kids and the families to eat. Uh, they, they help people medically uh, with legal issues. They help people open up channels to get new jobs. And it's just very inspiring. And we're also working with the American Heart Association. So the benefactors uh, of the, the program that we're going to do are both the American Heart Association and Secor Cares. And as awesome. a result, Sarah, what we'll do is, is have advertising sponsorship and ticket sales when we open and we'll be open instead of 12 days, we'll be open for 45 days. And wow. it is to let the vendors uh, come in with chefs uh, and, and teach people how to cook and teach people how to uh, decorate their homes and how to live more smartly across the board. So with all of that, you know, you, 
we just keep building to build. And in essence, we're getting ready for uh, promotions like this in other parts of the country and uh, continuing to grow our business platform here in Denver and Colorado. Awesome. Well, you've got a ton on the books and we will have um, all of your contact information in the show notes so people can reach out to you directly. But I have a question, you know, and in hearing just sort of the, the number of years that you have been doing this and, and really it's a lot of the marketing piece and, and understanding how to sell the product through relationships. What do you see as far as what the trends maybe have been and what they're becoming? Or is it pretty much the same through the generations? It's not the same. Uh, we're in a very, very unusual time. And uh, I try to my very best not to mix politics, sex, and religion uh, in, in my content, especially when we're working with, um, with selling real estate or any product. I mean, it, it's not uh, uh, of a vital importance. Uh, it's important to pay attention and to deliver the product on the, the face value, excuse me, of benefits and uh, the, the features, the advantages, and the overall benefit of that product that we're selling. Uh, what I find that, you know, that we're in a very uh, divisive state and have been for several years. And if anything that's happening that we can learn about, what COVID-19 is doing, uh, it's, it's, yes, we're creating social distance, and, but we're also creating respect for each other. We're also creating a much more united front because, I mean, our, our country's motto, united we stand, divided we fall. Division, divisiveness, is, is uh, it's a very painful, uh, it's a horrible disease. And it can be eradicated with a click of a finger or fingers. And I think that uh, what I see that's a change is that we're coming, we're swinging back the, the pendulum more towards normalcy, more towards caring about your neighbor, not just your family, which is critically important, but about the neighbor. And what about the people that you don't even know that need help? And when I think of what Secor Cares does every day, and the American Heart Association, and the folks, the, the phenomenal folks at the Home Builders Foundation, and, and uh, the, the Homemade Colorado folks, all these people that are helping people in need, that's what we all have to aspire to. We all have to give above and beyond just caring about ourselves but reaching out into the community. And from a focal point, that, uh, I learned that many, many years ago. It's not just about me, it's about growing your company uh, and creating the culture and creating the same with your friends and your family and your neighbors. You've grown up with me you know, in the business. You understand where I'm coming from. And I think that uh, the more uh, that we can help other people and understand their issues and ameliorate those, mitigate them, I think that we're going to be in a much healthier environment. Uh, and, it, and age has nothing to do with this. It's all about uh, common sense. It's about respect. It's about consideration. And as we grow together through this and realize that we all can help one another enjoy a better environment and enjoy a better life, that's where the, the reward, the true reward comes to play. You're right, Robert. I, I love what you just said. And I, I share those same beliefs that uh that's where we we rise together if you will you know and just having the opportunity to to be you know a, a more united um community is is refreshing in a lot of ways and there's a lot of negative things that are happening with what's going on out there but i think there's some positive things that are, are happening as well 
And Robert, it's been such a pleasure to have you. You've given us so many things that we can think about and, and expand on and be more aware of. Um, again, we'll have your contact information in the show notes. And as we wrap up, are there any kind of final thoughts that you have for us? Well, I, I think the final thoughts would be a question that I would have for you. Uh, I would hope that you know, the folks hopefully have enjoyed a repartee uh, today and the opportunity to share information with each other. But as a world traveler, I would ask you, uh, with, based on the uh, material that, that uh, we've covered over the last four or five minutes, uh, how do you see the global front uh, aligning itself together uh, as a result of COVID-19? You know, interestingly enough, um, my immediate experience was not one of being aligned together. I, as you know, I was kind of semi-stuck in Colombia um, at the beginning of this, and I, I actually found myself a bit fearful about how um, this was kind of creating situations across the country. But then now as we've kind of come into the space where we made it back to the States and every country has sort of shut themselves down to protect themselves and to protect the rest of the world, you know, I think that it feels to me, um, it's never before have I felt like it didn't matter where someone was in the world, we were all going through the exact same thing or very, very similar things. And it's interesting how social media and how all of these different internet technologies have made the world so small. I, I was watching something where in Brazil, they've opened the windows and people started singing um, in the, you know, the same song at the same time. And it was this thing that everyone agreed on social media that they'd open their windows and sing this song, uh, a song of hope and encouragement. And the same thing, I've seen videos of this happening in Italy and, and in different places around the world where um, we can be inspired, even, even myself. I mean, I saw something that said that in different places um, around the world, they were coming out and honoring the first responders at 8 p.m., whatever, you know, time that, whatever time zone you were in, it was 8 p.m. in your time zone. And, and then just a few of my friends, because I know a lot of people in that first responder kind of world, we went outside at our different houses and did the same thing and just clapped and showed appreciation for that. And so it's an interesting way that I think it's, it's there's bringing a commonality around the world. Um, that we're all trying to to keep this under control or to manage it better than than maybe it has been managed or whatever the situation may be, um, that we're all sort of in a similar place. And that has been um, a pretty unique experience. I think in summary, we can say we are the world. We are the world. Yeah, a, a short answer to a short question, long answer, whatever. <laughs> You, you summed it up wonderfully there, uh, Robert, and I just so appreciate um, just you being on the show and you sharing and, and just your faithfulness to this industry and your integrity and all of the things that really these last, you know, 10 years that I've been involved, you've just been a legend from that regard for sure. Well, thank you. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here today. Uh, and, uh, and, and it would be a pleasure to return next week at the same time. I'd hey! Be again and again. Let's so, do it. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you so much, Robert. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Be well. You as well. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. 
Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.